You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. So today we're going to start a new series entitled The Gospel Effect. And uh, this is going to be kind of interesting uh, as we go through these series. We want to take some time to talk about some individuals that, uh, that Jesus ran into. And then how did the gospel affect their lives? I think it's very interesting that uh, the gospel, how the gospel would affect some people one way and then other people a completely different way. Like, you know, when you have... For instance, Judas in the same 12 as John. How is it possible that John could have such a revelation of Jesus and transform his life and yet Judas go in a different direction? It is so odd to me, right? The power of the gospel is life transformation and it is, it will transform your life. But it's funny, Jesus actually quoted a verse um, from the Old Testament where he talked about this, that Christ is a foundational stone. He's a cornerstone if you build your life upon him. But to those who avoid him, he's a stumbling block. You know what I'm saying? So he's a rock no matter what. You can either build your life on him or you can trip over it. But that's what happens so many times. The power of the gospel doesn't change, but it's amazing how it affects each of our lives. And so it's crazy. I was on the way over uh, this morning. I had Piper with me and all the girls were there, you know, volunteering in the kids' church today. And so Piper's riding in the, in the car with us. And man, she has this. Have you ever heard someone do a crazy sneeze? Like, I mean, like, it's going to be funny because now the whole time in church, if you sneeze, everybody's going to pay attention to your sneeze. So if you do it, you remember, what, even, what, a year and a half ago, if you sneezed, it was like, don't sneeze near me, right? You know, it's just the plague, right? It's funny how all of a sudden now it doesn't even matter anymore. It's like, uh, well, it doesn't matter. I love how that's just been, I love how we now know that. We've been notified, so it's great. I feel so much better now that people have told me it's all over. And uh, anyway, so... I thought that was interesting last week. Did you guys get that news? That officially, yeah. pandemic's over. That's good to know. I'm glad because I just didn't know. I mean, I thought, um, and I don't mean that I'm not, <laughs> I just thought it was kind of humorous. Anyway, well, where has the rest of the world been? But anyway, um, so we were driving down the car and, and she's in the back. She has this, like, it was a crazy sneeze. You know, like not a hachu. It was more like a, <laughs> it's like one of those little, you know, whistle things. <laughs> I was like, Baby girl, what was that? She goes, it's a sneeze. I said, no, nah, that wasn't a sneeze. That was more like a snaz. She goes, Dad, there's no such thing as a snaz. I said, oh, well, it, with Dr. Seuss, there would be a snaz. I, I bet he would call it a snaz a snuff. And she goes, oh, Dad, there is no Dr. Seuss. I mean, she's so, like, dramatic about this, you know, and I totally gets it from her mom. Dad, there's no Dr. Seuss. I mean, the eyes are rolling and everything. And so then, Julia Kate, our little, you know, black and white, must make sure you understand you are wrong about anything, whether it matters or not. Piper, yes, there was a Dr. Seuss. That wasn't his name, but she goes, Julia Kate, I know it wasn't him. I'm just saying there is no Dr. Seuss. He had a different name. Now they're going back and forth about this, which started out with me just calling it a snaz, which I found very humorous that she would bring this up about Dr. Dr. Seuss. Might have been a better name for him. And it's kind of like this guy today, as I was just driving around, I thought it's so funny how, you know, he would use a different name, and I can't pronounce his real name. It's backwards and turn around. He's just a very creative guy. But um, I couldn't figure out, like, I guess what's the point? I guess he was just a fun guy. I just wanted to do that. But this, this guy I was reading about in the Bible, some of the characters that Jesus met, this is kind of like him. He, he has a name that you read, and he's in here, but there's really not much about him. Like, he's just a, I hate to say it, no-name, but he's just a no-name. Like, there's no real record of him doing great things. There's not really a lot of, in the Bible, there's history, but in the Bible, there's not a lot. Like, Peter, there's all kinds. Look, you can get all you want about Peter, right? John, he's in there. Si, I mean, uh, Andrew's in there. Go through the different ones. There's numerous guys you can read about. Judas, plenty of stuff on him. But with this guy, not much about him. His name is Bartholomew. Bartholomew. And... In Matthew 10, I'm going to read to you. He is one of the 12 disciples. Let me just read this to you real quick. Matthew 10, 1. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples, gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of sickness and disease. And now the names of the 12 apostles are these. I mean, not only was he a disciple, he became an apostle. The first was Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James the son of Zebedee, and his John his brother. Then there's Philip and Bartholomew. And it's interesting. These two guys are kind of always kind of close together in their writings. 
so it, it kind of lends to, most people think they're probably friends, good close friends. Um, I don't know about brothers, but good close friends. Then there's Thomas, Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Now, everybody's got a little, when you read those, pretty much most of those cats in here, you have an idea about some of them if you've read or heard or watched any of the gospel movies or anything. There's a few names that just jump out. But Bartholomew, I mean, have you read much about him? There's really nothing in there about it. Matter of fact, it's interesting. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synop- we call these the synoptic gospel. Gospels. It just means their writing is so similar. Uh, it's very much together. Um, they wrote in a unique way, very much a common writing. But these three guys all mention Bartholomew. John doesn't. John writes a little bit different. His writing style is different. But Bartholomew is a is an interesting thing because his name, this is really not his first name, this is his last name. So I'm putting it on the screen for you here. It's an Aramaic uh, patronym, which means the son of Ptolemy, or Talmay, however you want to pronounce it. But it is something that John doesn't mention him. But he's one of the twelve apostles. But he's not mentioned. It's just an interesting thing to me. The more I kept reading about this guy, the more I thought this is a very, um, why would he not be mentioned? What did he do wrong? You're like, why, why did he not get a mention? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if he went fishing a lot. Like, maybe he was hanging out with Bill, fishing for those little minnows. I'm so glad ca- Bill caught that little minnow. I'm proud to see, like, the actual size fish he actually catches instead of these big pictures he puts up a lot of time. That looks more realistic to me. But I don't know if he got canceled, maybe said the wrong thing. They said, yo, man, you can't, we can't let you get in front of people anymore. You say the wrong stuff. Bartholomew, you know, you'll learn to get to talk. I, I don't know what it is, but you just don't see much about him. But it's a, a patronym however you want to pronounce that, but it's his last name, Bartholomew. And it, the word bar, if you don't read this, all throughout the Bible is this word bar, it means son of. So when you read this, it's actually son of Tolmai, bar, and then his last name, Tholomew, or Tolmai, or Tolmai, however you want to pronounce it. Just like Peter, I'm going to give you one that you may have heard of a little more, but Peter had the same thing going on for him. Um, we'll put it on the screen for you, Matthew 16, and then we're going to read the context of this guy uh, in, in the Bible. But Peter, when Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, my Father in heaven. Simon Bar-Jonah, it means Simon, son of John. Bar-Jonah, or Jonas, son of Jonas, son of John, ultimately is what it is. And we have the same thing. I mean, if you look back in history, we have the same exact thing in our own country. You have... You know, if it, if, it, if, if it was a last name for me, Jody, son of John, Jody, John's son, to eventually now we have people with their last name, it's just Johnson. But it started out in that manner. We have the same thing that goes on. But this was his surname, if you will. It was his last name. And most writers think, most theologians agree, it's not 100%, so I'm not going to just go on that route. If you don't agree, that's fine. Just go with me. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't. It just really doesn't. It's going to be okay. It's not going to change the gospel. It's not going to affect your theology. But it seems like this guy is actually the individual named Nathaniel in the Bible. Because again, this is his last name. Bartholomew is his last name. But Nathaniel is an interesting word uh, or an interesting name. It actually means given by God. And when you look this up and when you read this, like I said, the writers, the way it's written, he's mentioned in John's gospel. But John doesn't mention Bartholomew. All the other guys mention Bartholomew. They don't mention Nathaniel. But John mentions Nathaniel. And he, I don't know, maybe John liked first name basis. I don't know what it was with John. You know, he's a little different anyway. I mean, let's just be honest. When you write stories that you're the one that Jesus loved and all the other ones are like, no one else wrote that but you, John. It's a little bit, I mean, I hate it a little bit. You can say he had a revelation of Jesus. Yes, he did, but I don't know. That seems a little much to me. So John 21, 2, listen to this, what, what John wrote about uh, Nathaniel. And this is after the resurrection. So this guy was present at the resurrection, but none of the other writers mention him. It just seems like he would be the one that they're talking about. So John 21, 2 says, Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together with him. This was after the resurrection when he appeared to them. Most theologians, again, agree that this Nathaniel is the same as is, is Bartholomew, which would be his name, Nathaniel Bartholomew. 
Nathaniel Bartholomew. Nathaniel, son of Tomei. Just like Simon Peter, son of Jonas. Does that make sense? So when you see this, it's interesting about this guy. You know, the history tells you about his martyrdom. All the disciples were, were martyred for their faith. Um, this guy, one of two ways, and again, history, sometimes uh, historical things that you read are used to persuade, you know, and different things. But either A, he was drowned intentionally for his faith, or he was crucified, one of the two. There's two different accounts. Either way, he was martyred for his faith, this guy Nathaniel. When you read this in John about him, so let's, we're going to read about this guy in, in John 1. So if you want to turn there, we'll click it on the screen for you too. But we're going to read about him and understand he gave up his life for Christ and for his faith. And just to reiterate this real quickly, Judas took his own life. The rest of them were martyred for their faith. No matter what people tell you, common sense will tell you this. You do not give up your life for something that is a fallacy. Not one human being is going to give up their life for something that's a joke, a hoax, or fake. You're not going to give up your business, your livelihood, the ridicule that you got, the cancellations you got. You're not getting any of that because this is fake. You do it because you believe in it. No one does this. So when people say things like, yeah, but I just don't know if all that's true, just some common sense you know, deductions there would tell you who does what these guys did. I don't know about you, but if it's not real, listen, if you tell me I'm going to drown you because you believe that somebody went to Mars. Hey, yo, man, I was just kidding. I don't think anybody went to Mars. I don't care. No, did we land on the moon? Nah, it's all fake. That was cheese. That's not real. Whatever. I give. I'm not drowning for something on the news. These guys, for their faith, they gave up everything. So John 1 35, let's read about the, the account and how the gospel affected Nathaniel, or in our case, Bartholomew. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist. And he looked at Jesus as he walked, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, You come and you'll see. So they came and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. So one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Uh, this would be Simon Peter's brother. So what would his last name be? Bar Jonas, or Jonah, or Bar John, whatever. It's Andrew, son of John. Same because he's Peter's brother. So one of these guys was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first, the first person he went looking for was his own brother, Simon. Now, why do you think? I love this. Why do you think he went after Simon first? Let's just all be real about Simon Peter. Don't you think? He probably said, you know what? If anybody needs salvation, if there's anybody in my family that needs help, it's got to be my brother Peter. Because <laughs> he's always getting his foot in his mouth, you know? So he said, look, if anybody at first, I need to get him. So he goes and gets Peter. And then after he goes and gets his own brother Simon, he says to him, <clears throat> we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, watch this, you are Simon, the son of John, or Barjona. You shall be called Caiaphas, or however you pronounce it, Caiaphas, Caiaphas, which is translated Peter. And you know why he did this? Because he told him later, your name Peter means rock. I'm going to build my church. On the revelation of Christ is the rock, but you're a part of this, Peter. You're going to be a part of this building of the church. And so, um, again, uh, you remember when he told him, I just read to you a while ago, but he's... Your name is Simon Peter, son of Barjona. So in verse 43, he says, The next day he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Now this would be north of Galilee. It's on the sea, but it's north. And I'm telling you that for a reason. All around this whole region of Galilee, the sea is more like a lake, but it's a sea, they call it. And it's fresh water, but this is where they, most of them lived. Jesus did most of his ministry in Capernaum, which was nearby uh, this area where Simon Peter was from. So this, uh, Andrew and Peter from the same place as Philip. And so <clears throat> this is, uh, Philip found Nathanael and he said to him, I, I love this, we have found him of whom Moses and the law also, the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, or Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, or Bar Joseph. 
Jesus bar Joseph. They would have called him Jesus, son of Joseph. They, I know he's the son of God, but you have to understand, for them, that was Joseph's son. Kind of. They ridiculed him, but that's the way they looked at it. Now, interesting enough to me, I, I love how Philip says, we found him. And we're not talking about Philip today, but interesting enough, he said, we found him, come and see. I'll tell you something. Can we all agree that not one of us found Jesus? We have songs about that stuff and talking about, I found this and I saw the, let me tell you something. If he didn't bring it, you would have never found him. He, we didn't find, he found us at our lowest. And even before we were yet sinners, he said he died for us. He found you. So the idea of, man, I'm trying to find Jesus. I'm just looking for Jesus. No, you don't have to look. He's seeking. Matter of fact, he's looking for you. You need to stop looking for him. He's looking for you. But Philip says, hey, man, we found him. Come and see. And so Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. One translation reads, no guile. <clears throat> so Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus said unto him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, I just don't, I don't know where you're at with things like that, but that might have messed your day up a little bit. It would have been fine if he said, I heard about you. But when he said, I saw you under a fig tree, hanging out under the fig tree, I saw you. No one else, there wasn't cell phone cameras. No one was posting anything back then. He saw him. God gave him what we call a word of knowledge out of 1 Corinthians. A, a knowledge, a part of the knowledge of God for right then. He saw either into the past where he was at. And, and Nathaniel, this is kind of bothering him. But he's smart enough to realize you just can't do that unless you have something from the Holy Spirit. And he said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. Just like that. He didn't need a dissertation on the lineage of Jesus. He didn't ask for some proof of existence. He just looked at that and said, you must be the son of God because there's no possible way you could do that without Jesus, without the Lord's help. And so he said, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus said unto him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? Well, you will see greater things than these. And he said unto him, truly, truly, I say unto you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man, which he did. Remember, Nathaniel was with him at or after the resurrection, if you will. Nathaniel's also from Cana in Galilee. Now, don't you find this interesting? He lives in Cana of Galilee. And, and what I love about Nathaniel is this idea that, you know, first of all, he's under a fig tree, just hanging out. Now, I don't know what kind of fig trees you have. We have fig, like, they're fig trees, but they're like fig bushes. We can cut kind of low. But over there, some of them are really tall. Some get 15, 20 feet tall. They're, they're really big trees. So I don't know if he was taking a nap. I don't know if he's eating figs. I don't know what he was doing. Maybe it was by the lake he's fishing. But whatever he was doing, it seems to me like the way that Jesus talked to him, this Nathaniel guy was either probably meditating on the word, praying, or seeking God about something. Because Jesus says, in this man, he finds no guile or no deceit. He's a very honorable person that Jesus chose. And why I'm telling you that is because I don't see him as a lazy person. I love how people say things about Jesus. You know, when Jesus called his 12, there were many others he called, but many just decided not to follow him. And you can't get discouraged when people don't follow Christ. God never called us to make people follow him. He told us to make disciples. Now, you can't make a disciple if they don't want to follow him. Can you? No. Well, we just really got it. No, you can't. Lest the Holy Spirit draws somebody to himself. They're not going to follow him. They may follow a, a method. They may follow a personality. They may follow a sound. But I'm just telling you, if they don't come to Jesus and say yes to Christ and follow him, you cannot make a disciple out of that. You can't make a disciple out of just what's fun and cool. If it's not following Jesus, there's no discipleship that's going to take place. That's why Jesus looked around at some of the people that were leaving after he said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. They said, yeah, <laughs> it was fun while it lasted, but I'm out. You got off the rails. He looked at the other disciples and said, y'all leaving too? They looked around and said, where are we going to go? We kind of we already are in this now. We can't get out. That's kind of what I think they were saying. We have kind of already went over too far. We can't back out now. 
But I don't see Nathaniel as this lazy guy called by Jesus to kind of get with the program. I think he was already seeking the Lord because of what Jesus said. I think he was an honorable guy. He lived upright. He was a good citizen. But the funny thing about him being from Cana, Jesus, you know, never mentioned his place where he lived. He never said, oh, yeah, you're Nathaniel. You know, you're in that Cana place where nobody actually brings enough wine for the weddings. I got to go fix that later. He never mentioned that. But did you notice Nathaniel, what he said? If you back up in John, when Philip tells him, come and see Jesus, <clears throat> he says he's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, can anything good, this is in John uh, 1, if you look in uh, right around verse 46 or so, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He kind of jabbed at Jesus and his hometown. If you, did you notice what he He's like, you know, ah, yeah, there's not much good coming out of Nazareth. I doubt very seriously this is him. You know, Jesus didn't take it personally. He didn't take it, he didn't take it offended by it, which tells me about this with this guy. He studied enough to know this about the Son of God. He knew enough about the culture around him. He understood about the things that was going around. He felt like that Jesus would not have come from Nazareth. But he was wrong because that was just opinion. And can I just encourage you, the thing that I see with Nathaniel here is that he obviously had some opinions, but like with anything in life, you can't build anything on opinion. You understand? You've got to have facts. And we are, boy, we are such a culture of opinions today, are we not? Man, we have opinions on everything. I mean, if you say, I like Starbucks, somebody else has got to say, well, I, I like Duncan. Duncan's better coffee to me. But nobody really asks you. I just said, I like the Starbucks coffee, which, I mean, it's not my favorite either. I kind of like the Duncan. You know, honestly, when I'm tired and I'm driving along, I really don't care. I will stop at the McDonald's and get coffee after it cools out for about 30 minutes. So that stuff will fry your throat. You know what I'm saying? That junk's no joke. It will burn. If you have a cold, stop and get you a cup of coffee from McDonald's. It will disintegrate everything that is evil in your throat. Just it fries it on the way down, man. That lady that got rich off of drinking hot coffee, man. I don't know. I feel bad for her because she probably lost some taste buds and everything if she drank it straight. Everybody who's ever been in, you know you don't drink it right when you get out of the drive-thru. That's just common sense. But they all had their opinions. Cana had their opinions. Nazareth had their opinions. But Nathaniel Bartholomew, and I'm giving him that name because I think that's who it was. If you don't agree, that's okay. But I just think that it was. He had opinions, but I'm telling you, it was when Jesus convinced him with a word of knowledge, I saw you under that fig tree. That changed everything. That convicted him, and he came to Christ because he said, I saw you. And, you know, I know so many times this is what we hear when we think about the Lord watching us. I know it's kind of like this kind of almost Santa Claus-like feeling. You know what I'm talking about? Like that old Ray Stevens track, like, he's everywhere, he's everywhere. It's Santa Claus, he's watching you, he's watching you. And we got this fear of like, oh, God's watching. He's just ready to just... Like, smack us the moment we do something wrong. And he's just watching your every move. Can I just encourage you with something? I just don't think God is interested in watching your life like binging a Netflix series all night long. I think he's got more important things to do than just stare at you all day and go, watch him. Hey, Gabriel, what do you think he's going to do? Huh? You think he's going to blow his horn right now at that person because they pulled up from him? Is you think he's going to give him the finger? Sure, he won't do that. You know. He's prayed to ask for help with his temper. Surely he won't. He won't do it. You think they're betting on it up there? Like He doesn't have that time to sit and watch your every little move. But he is watching. But not from a sense of this fear. The beautiful thing when I see about the Lord watching us, I want you to understand this, that God is looking down on you in a totally different way than what we think. And just like Jesus saw Nathaniel under the fig bush, it wasn't the first time that he saw Nathaniel. Sometimes we like to think, oh man, I just, I feel the presence of the Lord as if that's the only time you have ever come in encounter with God. Because we look at it from our opinion and our viewpoint of God instead of his. But listen to what he said about Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 1, 5, he says, before I ever formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now listen, I, I don't know what that does for you, but that encourages me. Because this means, wait a minute, you knew me before I came to you and you took me anyway? That's your loss. I'm sorry, you got the bad end of the deal. I got the good end of the deal because if you knew me before, 
That means in the most innocent moments of your life as a little baby, when you could do nothing for yourself, you were cared for by your parents or your guardians or whoever held you in their hands, God saw you even before then and said, I'm going to take you and receive you as my own, even though I know where you're going. Even though I know what path you might take, I'm still going to come after you. I love that, man. And it's also, by the way, before you ever knew him, kind of like what Philip was saying, before you ever found him, he was already looking for you. And the eye of the Lord in Psalms 33 and verse 18, it says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness. And listen, he saw you before you got to church this morning. He was looking over you before you got out of bed this morning. So, But we have these opinions, right, that says, well, I don't know what God's doing. Well, I may not know what he's doing, but here's what I do know. I know he's watching over me. I may not understand everything because I don't have all of the mind of Christ in totality, but I know this one thing. He is watching over me. He is, and if you feel like, well, I just don't know if he's watching over me, here's your scripture right there. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and on those who hope for his loving kindness. And it's so easy sometimes to forget that God is watching over us and we think God is just watching us. He's, he's looking out for you. And the word watch is very interesting. Psalm 121 verse 8, it says, The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. The word guard is mean he's watching over you. Can I just encourage you right now, listen, your business that you're in, whether it's your business or you work for a company or your job, your career, whatever, he's watching over that. Do you know that God is just as much interested in helping you in your business or your career or your family or whatever you have going on in your life right now as you are? Actually, he's more concerned about it than you are. He's watching over you. And I love this in Deuteronomy. He says, I am blessed if you follow God, you're blessed going in and you're blessed going out. Sometimes we think that when we come to church, this is the only time that God is with us or watching over us. I'm telling you, this is just a portion of our lives. When you get in your car right now, you ought to acknowledge the fact he's with you and just say, Lord, I thank you. Close the door. I thank you that you're with me. Thank you, Lord, you're watching over me. I mean, y'all, I've had the weirdest experiences with vehicles in the last couple of weeks. I mean, I'm not, it's just been the oddest thing. We go, we're driving, Ava and I were driving to, uh, you know, funeral, last weekend, or week, weekend before I get lost track now, up in North Carolina. We're driving and, and going down the road, and there's nothing there. All of a sudden, we hear, bam! And I was like, what was that? And you know I hear it hit the windshield. I can't see anything. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, okay, we're good. You know how you do? Like, it's okay. And then we're driving them five minutes later. Ah, come on, you know. You're driving down the road. Give me a break, right? <clears throat> I'm going to another funeral. This is crazy. My grandma's sister passed away last week. We go. We're driving. <clears throat> over to Heflin, driving on the road, and, I mean, there's really not that much traffic in front of us, just driving, all of a sudden, pap! I'm thinking, oh, we're good. Do y'all do that when, you, when something hits your windshield, like, you're scanning it, you know, okay, we are good, everything's okay. And all of a sudden, here comes one up the front of the windshield. I was just telling her, I think, hey, I think it's going to be okay. They can drill that little hole, you know, you ever had that done? They fill it with that little solvent, and it's over. It's going to be okay. No, we don't even get there. Great, there's another windshield. No joke, I told you about somebody hitting us at Starbucks. This has been a while back, Haley's car. Just a couple weeks ago, I'm driving down. Just I think it was, let's see, a week and a half ago. I'm joining my truck, driving on the bridge, and uh, I'll turn on my car, going to Home Depot, get some stuff. All of a sudden, all I hear is, you know what it is? You're like, oh, I'm trying. I'm watching the mirror. I'm get up as close as I can to the car from him. I'm trying. I'm like, ah, oh, if I get any further, brace for impact, you know. Bam! Give me a break. Do I have something? On? I mean, I thought those little student driver bumper stickers would help. You know, people avoid you like, oh, oh, there's one. Stay away. You know, but it's not helping anymore, you know. Thank God it was just a trailer hitch. I hated it for her. Her car got, you know, kind of impacted there. 
you know, when you're in a truck, I'm out with a trailer, you're, you're good to go. I was like, I hate it for you. Are you okay? Yeah, we're fine, we're fine. She was very thankful I didn't call the police or anything. I was like, let's just, let's, I don't have time to, let's just go on, right? I mean, you're the one, you know, with the issues, not me. I'm fine. Okay, thank you. She was so grateful. And then this is no joke. Just, I'm driving home this other day. And if it was you, hey, man, look, I'm not, it, it happened to anybody. But I'm going home, and there's this truck coming at me on our road, and I, there's this strange thing happening behind this truck. I didn't know what it was at first. You see something come out like a car is going to pass, then pass. I'm like, what is going on? And I see it, and it's a trailer. So I'm like slowing down as quick as I can. I get over into the ditch, like literally in my truck, almost to the ditch, and all this trailer, I'm braced for impact. It's, a, it's got a lawnmower, lawn equipment. It's fully decked out equipment. The trailer's going, and it swings back at me. I'm in the ditch like this, and I thought, here it comes. I just did like this because I thought, it's going to shatter everything. And it comes like this, goes sideways. The trailer, the lawnmower's everything like this, and goes, and goes back the other way into the other ditch. I just, you know, get out of the ditch. I'm like, he's all right. I'm going home. Crazy. But you know what I think about? Scotty was telling me the other day we were at the house. He goes, I told him that story. He's like, Lord's watching out for you. And I thought, you know what? You're right. Isn't it funny how sometimes we think, oh, man, I got a cracked windshield. I can't believe that God let that happen. Hey, man, I'd rather have a cracked windshield any day than something worse. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we think we get discouraged because of something that happens that doesn't go out exactly like we want it to. Well, man, you know, it stinks. I had a flat tire today. I can't believe, man, God wouldn't help me. Well, maybe that flat tire kept you from getting something worse. Sometimes I used to get so frustrated about that stuff, right? Man, I'm waiting in traffic. This stinks. I'm late now. Why these people can't move on? But now you know how to look at it. You know what? Maybe that traffic was here for a reason. And just get over it and go, like, thank you, Lord, for looking out for me and my family. Instead of getting so frustrated about the things I can't control, saying, God, I thank you for watching over me. This word guard, I'm putting on the screen for you real quick, and then we'll, you know, kind of wrap up with this thing about Nathaniel Bartholomew. It, the word guard, it means to watch over as a watchman. Like a watchman on the wall. He's there as a sentry to keep an eye on things that come in and out of the castle. As things are coming around the area. Whoa, there's something over there. What is that? I don't know, but I need somebody to go check over there. What is this over there? They're watching. It's a guy that, who's there to protect. In Hebrew, it's the word uh, <clears throat> shamar, which means to have a hedge about as with thorns. Have you ever heard the prayer that we sometimes do, or if you've ever heard someone pray this, Lord, I pray a hedge of protection around you. That's what they're talking about. God, I pray that you would hedge or watch or protect them. And in this idea, to hedge about them is as with thorns. Now, in our culture, that doesn't mean a whole lot. But in their culture, that meant something. If you had livestock, you might not run as much fence as we run. But if you wanted some protection for that night, you could scurry the animals over against a, a wall or whatever, bring out some, some thorns and things like that around. And it's amazing how animals will not deal with thorns. Wild animals, they don't like that stuff. It's a hedge to protect. And when I think about how the Lord watches over us, it makes me think about the times where Abraham, and we're talking about Nathaniel here, but the conviction of realizing God's watching over him. It made me think about this word that... I saw you under the fig tree of how the Lord would see uh, Abraham. And I think that probably Nathaniel thought about this very same story. If he was a student of God's word, which I think he was because of the way Jesus talked to him. I mean, he talked to him different than Peter. Let's just be honest. <laughs> you know, Peter, oh, wretched man that I am. I'm just a sinner. Nathaniel just said, you're the son of God. He actually had the revelation of Christ before Peter did. It took Peter a while. You know what I'm saying? It took a little bit. Go read how long it took. Peter finally come to the point. And then even Jesus said, you know what, Peter, you didn't come up with that on your own. That was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Poor Peter. You know, like both Abraham and let me read this to you in Genesis 22. I want you to see how this whole God seeing you is such a beautiful thing. So in Genesis 22 and verse 1, it says, now it came about after these things, talking about <clears throat> 
that with Abraham that God tested Abraham, or if you want to say this, he had a trying or a trial of faith, if you will, with Abraham. And he said unto him, Here I am. He said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go into the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, I'll tell you. Before I read further, let me just, this is a, this is a, um, a covenant example of relationship and how God would do this with Jesus Christ. This is not something you build a doctrine on or anything else when you read in the Bible that this went on consistently in the Bible. This is a one-time occurrence. God never asked anyone else to do this. This was a symbol of Jesus Christ that God would give his only begotten son, but God would go through with it. He stopped Abraham. It was a test. Okay, everybody understand what I'm saying? This is not so, because people, it's so amazing to me how what people say today and like as if this was God, some evil God. He's not evil. He saved his son. That, that's nothing evil about that. He wanted to see what Abraham, could he trust Abraham? So he says, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And watch this. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes, and he saw the place from a distance. See, the third day. It, you'll see the symbolism all throughout here about Jesus. But Abraham is looking, and he sees this place from a distance. So Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so the two of them walked on together. Now, you know, Isaac understands sacrifice. He was not a young kid. He would have been a pretty beefy teenage boy. You know what I'm saying? He'd been eating a lot of steak. He, he was kind of, he's pretty fit, I'm sure. He understands sacrifice. And he says, behold, the fire and the wood, Dad. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Do you think Isaac might have been suspicious? I mean, I don't know if he's like, you know, Dad's been acting kind of crazy lately. I don't, know. I don't know. But then they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there. He arranged the wood, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. Can I just submit something to you? That Isaac, being much younger than Abraham, was physically more than capable enough to overtake his dad and prevent this from happening. Can we all agree? I'd love to tell you, I can handle myself, which I still think I can. I would cheat. But some, like, you know, 20-year-old guy who's six foot two, whatever, and beefed up real good is going to outpower me physically. Now, I might cheat. He may not outwit me, but I, I, I ain't going to let him get me. You know what I'm saying? But as far as physical strength, Abraham could not compete with him. Isaac willingly laid down his life, just like Jesus. So you just read that throughout, and you'll see it. So anyway... <clears throat> where was that? Bound his son on the altar and on top of the wood, verse 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. I'm just telling you, that's a lot of convincing that had to go on there. In verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, and the angel of the Lord, if you read this, most people agree this would have been Jesus. The angel of the Lord many times represents God. I mean, represents Jesus when you see this precarnate Christ. Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And then Abraham raised his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram was caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham, he called this name of this place, the Lord will provide, as it is to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Um, the word there, that it's actually called this, and I'll put it on the screen for you, it's Jehovah Jireh, if you have it in your translation, or Jehovah Yireh, it's in Hebrew, and it means, watch this, the Lord sees and provides, not just provision. The one... I, the reason I love this so much is because sometimes we just think God doesn't understand. Like he doesn't know where you're at right now, and that's not true. Like he sees you where you are. He knows what you need. And Jehovah Jireh, it means the Lord that sees and provides. It's not just that he provides. He cares enough about your situation and what you're going through. He's not just a provider. But the funny thing to me is this. 
the angel of the Lord, or Jesus, if you will, is up in heaven watching over. And the moment he gets ready to go through, he says, wait, stop. Now, if you, does anybody here, you have livestock or animals of any kind? Raise your hand. Let me see. Anything? Okay. None, like, really? Cats don't count, but we got one. Chickens? I don't know. A dog? Parakeet? Pet rock? <laughs> wow, you're a petless church. I mean, not many of you all. That's interesting. So, um. You know this about animals, right? Have you ever seen an animal that was tangled up, especially if you've been, like, we live near a, a cattle farm, and every now and then when the little calves are born, one of them tries to get all, you know, jumping around, acting crazy, gets its head, you know, too close to the fence line, and it's like this, you know, page wire with stuff, and kind of gets, get a foot tangled in it. Have you ever seen an animal get stuck in a fence? They go bananas. They, like... Do stuff that only like America's Funniest Home Videos should have recorded. It's crazy what, if you ever spook a cat, they just, wah, they just, they, they're so jittery animals are. You can't tell me that this ram sat there with its horns stuck in a thicket and was sitting there just watching Abraham. Well, watch that. What's he gonna do with that boy? Oh, he laid him on the altar. I mean, you think he looked at himself, better him than me. I better be quiet. <laughs> I mean, I'm being silly, but it, I've never seen one animal that was entangled in something. I've had to get animals out, cows out of a loading chute, horses that got their foot stuck in something. I've watched, like, animals just go crazy. You can't, you can't calm them down. They just, they, they're freaking out. This ram, you're going to tell me the whole time, just sat there quietly. Don't you think it's amazing how I wonder how many times God's watching over us, just waiting, saying, I've got your provision. Like, I know what you're dealing with. He's not oblivious to what you have going on in your life now. I wonder how many times he looks and says, there's a ram in the thicket right beside you, but you can't even see it. And you can't see it because we're so busy looking at the situation in front of us. We got something like an Isaac on the altar, which is so in our face. It's so big. It's screaming at us. Oh, what am I going to do? We can't even see the provision that's sitting right there beside us. And I'm convinced of this, that God has things for you that's right close to you. It doesn't have to be so far off. It's right beside you, but we don't see it sometimes because we're so accustomed to looking at things that we see. Nathaniel, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> that's not possible. His eyes are on what? A city that's like a, you know, just a... Really rough kind of area. There's nothing good coming out of there. He doesn't have his eyes until Jesus says, I saw you. And that caused him to see, wait a minute. This is not who I thought this was. Maybe I'm wrong about my opinions. Is it possible that in your life right now you have something that God has for you that you don't see because you're so consumed with what you can see? You're dealing with a kid around you right now that's a trouble. I get it, okay? I get it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna act like it's, it, it, it's not difficult. So, Pastor, you don't understand. You got great kids. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I do. I would grow with you on that. Yeah, sure. But if you think they walk in the house like little ducks behind their mom, like, you know, and they all sit down at the thing and everybody's just so polite. I mean, we're on our way to church and I got two of them arguing about Dr. Seuss is real or not real. We have our moments, believe me. We have had plenty of moments. We know what it's like. We know. And you say, well, you don't understand what it's like. Maybe not don't. But he does. And he sees what you're going through right now. When Nathaniel Bartholomew saw Nazareth, Jesus looked at him and saw a disciple. When you think about this, when Peter saw the wind and the waves... Jesus looked over, and he saw the potential of faith. Whenever you look at some of these other guys, like Israel, all they ever did was see the manna on the ground. Oh, it's manna again. It's manna. Complainers, complaining. And God looked down and said, I see slaves converting from slavery to warriors of faith. But he had to go through some stuff with them. When you think about Moses, he, he said, I can't talk. I just have a stuttering problem. But God saw a leader. I'm just telling you, Whatever you see right now, God sees something totally different in your life. 
But we have to believe what he says and what he sees over what we believe and what we see. And I thank God that he saw us and the potential, what we could be through Christ and not what we are right now. Like not looking at where we are right now and saying, you know what, I see them where they are. You know what, they're just haphazard in their faith, blah, blah, blah. And we feel like this and we feel like we don't you know, love God enough. He doesn't see any of that. He sees children of God. He sees sons, he sees daughters, and he believes the best in you. The absolute best. And so every time you look in the mirror, you think, well, I'm just not where I ought to be. You know what he says? I see you right where you are, and I'm so excited about where you're going. See the two different, we, we have these opinions about ourselves and about others, and that's not the way God looks or sees us. He really does believe the best in you. So today I wanted to uh, pray over you and, and just consider yourself about the gospel, how it impacted Nathaniel as one of the 12 apostles. And I want to challenge you today, how has the gospel affected your life? You know, there's always a cause and effect. What's the effect of the gospel on your own life? Like this morning, are you looking at what you can see? Are you actually going to believe what God sees in you? Or what God sees about you? Or what he's watching over you right now with? And I want to encourage you this morning as we pray. I want to close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment. I want to encourage you with this, that as Nathaniel was moved to follow Jesus because of what Jesus saw in him, what is it that God sees in you this morning? Just right there where you are with your eyes closed, just take a moment with the Lord as I pray for you. Man, what is it? Is there something in your life right now that you, you keep bringing up in what you see and it's what you see and what you see, but God is trying to tell you, hey, listen, I got plans for you, says the Lord. I got plans for to give you a hope and a future, a blessing of not destruction or disaster. What do you see right now in your own life? Father God, in Jesus' name, I just pray for every person in here. I thank you, Lord, that God, whatever it is that we might see around us, God, whatever we have on the altar right now that is just staring us in the face, Maybe it's great. Maybe it's big. It's something we can't handle by ourselves. Maybe it's a family member that is struggling. Maybe it's a marriage that needs healing. Maybe, God, right now we came this morning with a need financially or some other need that we don't even understand how to make it happen. Whatever we're looking at right now, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, would you help us by the conviction of the Holy Spirit to stop looking at what we see and to start looking at what you see. Give us the eyes of faith to believe. God, if we're sinking right now like Peter with the wind and the waves, I just ask you to help us right now to see with the eyes of faith. To believe again for something great. To believe again, you know what, your marriage can be better. To believe again, you know what, your kids shall only know Jesus and serve him all the days of their life. Not to believe what the world says. Not to believe what other people are telling you. But to believe what God says about you. To be convinced that the power of the gospel still has the power to transform lives. And he can still transform your life today. So whatever it is, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in our families. God, move in our homes, move in our careers, and move in our businesses and whatever else is in need. God, you see where we are right now. You look down from heaven, Lord, and you see us right where we are, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name, might we see you for who you are today. That you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord that sees and provides. That you are Jehovah Rapha. You are the Lord that heals and delivers the brokenhearted and those that are sick and ailment. God, that you look down and you are the one, not only just, God, that you see things, but God, you provide for us in whatever area we need. I thank you, Lord, that you are our banner, God. That we lift you up, we raise you up high, Lord, over circumstances around us, God. I thank you, God, that you help us, Lord, to see greater things, Lord. And whatever we came in today that was had our attention, God, help us go out today with our attention and our focus on you. And if there's anybody here today, Lord, that they don't know you, or they're watching today on broadcast, they don't know you, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that they would turn to you today. Just like Nathaniel did, and be convinced that you are the Son of God. So, with your eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm going to pray right now for you. If you're here, you don't know Jesus, you're watching on broadcast right now, you don't know Christ. You say, I need to be saved, I need to know Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now, He sees you, and He doesn't ask you to fix yourself right now. 
He's not asking you to change anything. He's not asking you to do anything. He's just asking you to simply believe that he is the son of God, that he died and he was risen from the dead through the resurrection. And then he asks you to believe this in your heart, but then to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So we're going to pray this prayer. If you're here, the whole church is going to pray with you. You won't be by yourself. We're going to pray this right now. You say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. I give you my heart, and I give you everything. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me of all unrighteousness? I thank you, Lord, that I am a son or a daughter of the Most High God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Man, we're so proud of you. You prayed that prayer. We're so proud. Give me a hand with your church. <clears throat> so proud of you this morning. Listen in the seat back in front of you. If you're a guest with us today or maybe you prayed that prayer, we'd love to get to know you and help you get started walking with Christ. But in the seat back in front of you, there's a connection card. Or you can go online and do this, connect.cornerstonerome.com. Fill that out for us and let us know. We'll help you get started walking with God and give you the tools you need to help you get started. I just want to encourage you. As you go out today, Gary's coming up. He's going to wrap up the, the, the church service today. Man, can I encourage you? It is so easy right now to look at what's around you. If you could see what God sees in you, if you could see the power and the potential that's only inside of you through faith in Christ and what he wanted to do with you right now, you would be blown away at what he sees. Please don't ever listen to the people. If they discourage you, bring you down, say, no, you can't do that. Don't listen to those people. They'll never do anything in their lives anyway. You believe that God can. I would rather believe God that he could do something than sit in despair and wonder if he ever did. I'd rather believe God that he would do something and fail than to sit back and just like, well, you never know what God will do. Like, why not just believe God for bigger and better things in your life? Don't listen to the people of naysayers, man. Just believe what God has for you. In Jesus' name, right? Hey, here's Gary. Would you all welcome Gary up this morning? Thank you, Pastor. I tell you, that's a good, encouraging message today. Um, really appreciate you a lot. Thank you for bringing that message today. Um, I want to remind you a couple things as we go. Our prayer partners are going to be up here after service available. If anybody needs prayer for anything, uh, come on up. These folks will be glad to agree with you in prayer. Um, God answers prayer. We believe that. And so make yourself available. They're going to be up here after service. Also, I want to remind you of ways you can give here at Cornerstone. We have boxes. If you've been here, new here, you notice we don't pass a plate around or anything, but there's boxes in the back as you leave. You can drop an offering in there. You can go online. You can text. You can give all kinds of ways. I always say, if you decide you want to give some money here, we'll go find a way to get it from you. So, okay, we're going to make it easy for you to do that. But we just believe that. You guys are invested in what we're doing here as a church. So we appreciate what you've done and that you continue to do each week. If you guys would stand, we're going to send you out with the blessing out of Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you, give you his peace. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.